This show is part of the WND Podcast Network. If you'd like to check out more shows from WND, please head to our website at wndpress.com backslash podcast to see our current lineup. Only polishes die, you fucking idiot! So, Mikey, why aren't you going to Rockville? (laughs) Have you seen this lineup? It is a real bad lineup. It's bad. I mean, they they just it's it's quantity over quality. They just threw a bunch of shit into the middle of the speedway, and they expect people to pay 130 bucks to stand in the infield and watch this fucking turd. I, I mean, I wouldn't go probably for just about anybody, but I mean, this is this is a fucking embarrassment (laughs) so can i just say real quick so i was talking to my parents about this and my dad said that he was actually kind of excited to see megadeth i'd rather be caught in like a saw trap than sit through (laughs) megadeth you know like you'd rather put your feet into a wood chipper and then have the power go on and off for the next seven days (laughs) like while you're stuck in it (gasps) ow ow enough so you got uh, five finger death punch, Papa Hold Roach. On. Hold on, I mean, let's talk about there. Is, there are four days of this. It is worth talking about all four days of this. So Thursday to tomorrow, at the time of this recording, tomorrow, the headliner is Kiss, which that already makes me want to blow my brains out. Yeah, but go on. Tell me five, more about these bad bands. Five finger death punch, Papa Roach. Those are your three headliners for Thursday. It's like a rockabilia catalog threw up. Uh huh. Then there's. Black Label Society clutching down. Okay, I like those bands. I've seen all of them. But then it's uh, In This Moment, Bad Wolves, uh, Il Nino, what Widow 7, No Space, Post Profit. What the fuck is any of this? Mood are, you, are you not going to talk about Fuel? Oh, yeah. Fuel's playing. I mean... <laughs> They're just they're just seeing how many shitty '90s and 2000s bands they can put into one place, plus a bunch of like bad new bands. Now I, uh, I, I don't so know what Thursday. any of this is. What the fuck is Mammoth WVH? That is uh that is Wolfgang Van Halen. That is Van Halen's son's band. Okay, just rolls off the tongue, Mammoth WVH. Probably because he can't call it Mammoth because there's probably already a band called Mammoth. Okay. But what about Friday? Right. Friday. So the headliner is Corn, which also makes me want to die. And then Benjamin Benjamin Breaking. Uh, <laughs> Breaking Benjamin and then Megadeth are the three headliners. But then you've got then Seether, Skillet, Ministry, and Under Oath. One of those bands I would like to see. And you couldn't guess based on my musical ministry. preferences. No, fuck Ministry. I'd rather see Under Oath. That's are the only you? band I would want to see. Of all those bands, I fuck, fuck Ministry's awful i know they're awful they're all awful though under oath is the least awful of those bands especially now that they've denounced christianity i guess i don't know uh and then there is tyler bryant and the shakedown uh sounds real herky-jerky to me there is uh blacktop mojo Giovanni and the Hired Guns, which I feel like that's like right up your alley. Oh, uh, oh okay, yeah. Thank uh-huh. you. Why don't you shit on my heritage a little bit more? No, it's you because you like true crime stuff. That's all. I was it's not a true crime band. It's a true crime based band. It's an um, IE on Giovanni. That's not even an Italian name. Get the fuck out of here. 
Well, maybe he's in hiding. It's, I guess it's possible. Uh, and then, you know, Diamante, Mike's Dead is a band. This is called Mike's Dead. <laughs> That's funny, though. <laughs> Dude, I'm just going to Rockville to see Mike's Dead. They're sick. <laughs> sick. Um, uh, the only bands I would want to see on this day would be Seven Dust, Baroness, and Extinction AD. Those would be fun bands. Well, I mean, Baroness, yes. Okay, stick to your guns for me, fine. But, I mean, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine sitting through... The 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 one two three punch of corn breaking Benjamin and Megadeth under there is no parallel universe where that is me. It's horrible, dude. I mean, uh, they picked the worst headliners of any fucking era. Yeah, and then so Saturday is uh just well okay two out of three horrible. Only one band I'd want to see. There's Guns N' Roses, Shine Down, and Rise Against. I've seen Rise Against. They're great live now, like they were before. But it's the only band I'd want to see on that on that headliner. Well, I'd still rather see Guns N' Roses, but they're oh, gonna play Chinese band. democracy bullshit, and I don't Good. care. Yeah, and they're gonna go. They're gonna go. Uh, uh, we're living out our glory days. Oh, like pay off some other money. Oh, I fucked. Fuck, they're awful. Like they they were never a good band. Um, the only good song they ever wrote was a Terminator Two song. Yeah, we've established this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then on that same day is Jerry Cantrell. I'd rather just watch um, Alice in Chains. Don't want to watch Jerry Cantrell. I'd rather um, I'd rather them dig up Lane and just throw him on stage and everybody take pictures and watch Jerry Cantrell play a fucking solo set. Yeah, and then also uh, In Flames. Uh, yeah, who John hasn't Five, been good since 2004? Uh, Alexis on Fire, Dirty Honey, Sick of It All, Agnostic Front. No mm-hmm. bands I want to see. Well, um, Thank you for establishing it. Uh, I just want to make sure it's very clear. Mm. Uh, the only band that I would really care to see that I hadn't seen um, in a very long time would be Bush. I would watch Bush play. Um, and then uh, and then on Sunday, which is the day that Foo Fighters were supposed to play, the headliners were Nine Inch Nails, Smashing Pumpkins, and uh, it's apparently not Jane's Addiction. It's Porno for Pyros, which is a bummer. <laughs> in your face! <laughs> I mean, I like Porno for Pyros, too. I'll watch them, but it's a bummer that Jane's Addiction's not playing. That's stupid. Yeah, I mean... I just found that out right now, which I don't like. Um, also, Hailstorm, not great. Pretty Reckless, not great. Uh, the, the, it's the it's Cindy Lou Who from the Grinch movie. Uh, the Struts, don't care. Uh, the Who, which uh, fan of the show and uh, longtime friend uh, Matt Moment will be stoked that I that that band is playing. Um, Spirit Box, um, and then which I'm stoked about seeing them. That'd be cool. Yeah, he's doing um, new metal. Uh, yeah. Uh, I like good new metal. Uh, and then there's other, you know, Bones UK, the Chats. Uh, we already got rid of the 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 names in the early 2000s, right? There was the Hives, the Strokes, the Vines. We got, we did that. That's done. We don't yeah. need more. So the Chats can be done. Um, but Super Bloom is playing, so that's cool. You I, like Super Bloom? Like I said, it was okay. I don't care. None of this matters. This is just, I mean. This is, it's becoming, it's going to become a thing where they, I mean, it's basically doing it twice a year. They just did one six months ago. It's yeah. absurd. You really want to go stand in the fucking infield? I've never once set foot in the Daytona International Speedway, not in my entire fucking life. And I will not start now to watch Corn and Nine Inch Nails and Smashing Pumpkins play songs that they fucking should have stopped playing. I, I I'm over it. Okay, then be over it. That's fine. This is like, to segue into our episode, this is like the quality of the victory roster by the end. Let's just throw as much shit as we can and see what Mm -hmm. sticks and none of it does. 
Jace. Jace, Jace, Jace. You're right. You're right. So should we start the show then? Uh, so hi, every. It got me so angry. So hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to I Don't Want to Hear It. I'm Mikey. I'm Shane. And we are back with part three of our Victory Records Deep Dive. And it's been quite a ride. <laughs> it's been quite a ride. But uh, the bummer is this episode is not an uplifting story. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> it's, it's like it doesn't end like Jedi. It ends like Empire. It's like two empires in a row. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. And no, no, done. no. You know what it is? It's Empire. And then it's uh, another Hobbit movie that didn't need to get made. Yeah. What, whatever that means, because I've not seen the Hobbit movies. Oh, well, they turned one book into three movies. Well, I'm aware that there's only one book. Yeah, you read the book. What happens? Name three songs. Songs? I'm done. All right. <laughs> Let's just do a right profile, please, for the love okay, of God. All right. We? Are we doing a right profile or are we doing a forgotten freshness? I'm doing a right profile. God damn it. Okay. Say, where did I see this guy? Shoot his right profile. So this is actually <laughs> just to fuck with you. This is a combination, right? Profile and Forgotten Freshness. Great. <laughs> because this band hasn't released a record since '98, but they are active again, apparently. Um, the band's name is Dawn. Uh, D O N. D A W N. Oh, okay. Spell. Dawn <laughs> is a Swedish extreme metal band that leans. Mostly into black metal territory. They're less primitive. They're they're kind of from the same camp of uh, like dissection. Okay. Um, Dawn released several demos and a few LPs before they released their quintessential record, Slaughter Sun, Crown of the Triarchy, and that came out in '98. Sure. Um, it's like eight songs. You know, it's an hour long. And what they did though, it was really cool. And this is the release that you should seek out if you can get it. They released all of their material in a box set under the name Slaughter Sun Crown of the Triarchy. And that came out in 2016 on Floga Records. And oh. that's like four records worth of material. And it's all pretty amazing. That's the one that you, I mean, even if you got to download it, just download it. Um, I really like this type of black metal an awful lot. Uh, it reminds me of like Equilibrium Era Emperor. Um, sure. Dissection and even Ninkersog. It's very much Ooh, the same. Oh, Nicker Saga so good. Yeah, it's very much in the same wheelhouse. Strangely enough, this is actually the first black metal band I ever heard. I just did not know they were what? black metal. I, I heard it in like 2001, 2002. I did not know they were black metal. Pat, uh, who you know was our friend who was really into black metal, he was extremely surprised when I mentioned them with no frame of reference. He's like, <laughs> I was like how do you know Dawn? I'm just like, hey, man, don't don't come at me like that <laughs> i got i know some stuff so um i'll leave you with this some lyrics from the knell and the world trust the black inside and suffocate the light in me throw the stones that kill the truth deception must be absolute let fevers rage and ravage the deluded minds of all surrender to atrocity and yield by our fall stigmata children malady spawn downward resolution the coming of dawn ah! <laughs> I like it. I'm I'm here for that. They're a good band. You'll, I'm, if you like any of the bands I said, you'll 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 definitely like Dawn. Okay. Okay. Cool. They just sound like a, a lady who works at Walmart, though. Okay. okay. I'm Dawn. Okay. Uh, my first uh, my first supervisor in the field's name was Dawn, and she was from Philly, and she had like a Dawn, like she would like it says, "This is Dawn." <laughs> 
Philadelphia. So my pick is a band that um, I had heard before and they've been around since 2013. So they're not like a new band, but they did put out a brand new uh, EP and I'm really stoked about it uh, because it is how it, it's the sound of how you would imagine being buried alive sounds. Um, and this band is called Primitive Man. Help! Help! Get me! Stuck in here! So, uh, this band's called Primitive Man. Uh, and so they are described as the pla- planet Earth's first and only death sludge band. I don't think they're the first. Are they the first? That's what they say, so I'm going to go with it. First and um, only? First and only death sludge band. Church now, uh... They put out uh, their first full length is called Scorn, um, and so you know that's a lot of times I just I don't really give you know the very first record a whole lot of attention when they have several other ones. You're a fair um, weather they, fan. Uh, no, I give I try to give all of it a listen, but I always know that the first record's not always the best one, so I always try to listen to their most current stuff. So sure, sure. Well, whatever. Okay. So there's also uh, P slash slash M, which came out in 2014. Um, and then uh, with a song called Sweet Leaf and stuff like that. You know, and then also a song just called Come that's 17 minutes long. Um, <laughs> so uh, they put out a split EP with a band called Fister. Um, so there's that. Uh, Home- like G.G. Allen in this band? Uh, it sounds like it. They have a They put out an EP called Home is Where the Hatred Is. Um, and then they got it more serious. They put in 2017, they put out a record, a full length called caustic. Uh, and then they put out another split with unearthly trance. And then they put out immersion in 2020, which is, um, six songs and it's more like an EP. And this new release is called insurmountable. And that is the new EP that has come out just like last week. Um, and there are only four songs on it. The first song is 12 and a half minutes and it is a fucking doom song with like, there are, there are interjections of like death metal. We're like, um, but it's, uh, it's really good. Um, I, I do think that you would, I think you should give it a listen. I'm not going to assume that you like it or not, but I think you should give it a listen because it is, uh, aggressive. It's dirty. It's gross. Like it sounds like it's like just as much. They were like, do you have distortion? I would like to buy more distortion. <laughs> like I would like to buy as much distortion as you have all the distortion you have. Put that on this guitar. I'll uh, take all of like your that. distortion. My good man. Yeah. All of it. All of it. So, uh, so they just put out this four song EP. It's great. Um, it, uh, the song cage intimacy is really good. Uh, if you want to listen to that. Um, but yeah, they're just like, just a, scary a big scary band and i and i really like them <laughs> big scary band when did yeah. they start because i thought uh it looks like 2013 oh dude they're not the only death sludge band at all planet earth's first and only death sludge band that is on their band camp that's off-putting well i mean that's that's your that's your own stuff get get over yourself just go listen to this band soylent green they yeah. do death metal and sludge no they do death metal and sludge. They don't do death sludge. There's a difference. Okay. Well, thank you for the education. Yeah, anytime. Happy happy to be of service. Happy to help. Well, I guess it's time to... For the to, lists! To, no, it's not lists. Oh, okay. Wrong show. <laughs> I guess it's time to get to it and uh, put the last nail in this... Hot topic looking coffin that's known as Victory Records. Yeah, it's it's about time. Uh, 
Well, like we said, this is part three of our final installment of the deep dive into Victory Records, which we thought <laughs> I thought it was going to be one episode. Yeah, 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 it's amazing how we've done that. Victory Records is sort of like the O'Doyle family of hardcore labels, <laughs> which is to say that they did, in fact, once rule, uh, mm -hmm. and then they drove themselves off a cliff. Yep. Great, grand, wonderful. Now, Victory, as we said, was the premier hardcore tastemaker throughout the 90s and early 2000s, but starting with that sophomore full length from New Jersey's yawn-inducing Genteel Rockers Thursday. I listened to Full Collapse today. It's great. Victory rebranded themselves and cornered the market of Hot Topic, Watered Down Screamo, and Mall Punk. You can mm -hmm. see the singer patrons of Thursday behind me. That whole, like, wrap the microphone up and then eat it sort of thing. Ugh, I'm so glad I don't, you know, I don't see that anymore. I like people holding a microphone in a proper way. Mm -hmm. Not this. Because you're, the arbiter, because you're the arbiter of how lead singer should, should act on stage. I mean, I'm a pretty good front man, so yes. Mm -hmm. um, it was a sad transformation, to be sure, but it wasn't a difficult one, at least from a fiscal point of view. As we covered last week, Tony Victory, owner of Victory and the king of the cue balls, he established <laughs> himself as a ruthless business band by fucking Thursday over with extreme prejudice. Yeah, for sure. He's like, Ugh! Um, and if he wasn't already a millionaire, which he may very well have been before uh, Thursday's LP uh, Full Collapse came out, it, when Universal bought them out for $1.2 for their contract, uh, he most certainly was after that. For sure. And still, he didn't think to spring for some hair plugs to help soften that alien warlord image he'd been cultivating lo these many years. <laughs> he has a strange look about him. He does. It's um, weird. Now, last week, we left off in 2002 after the release of Taking Back Sunday's pop punk classic, Tell All Your Friends. Along with a slew of other forgettable emo and pop punk records, Victory was just throwing a ton of singy, screamy shit at the wall. Um, taking a page from Hello Rockville or whatever the fuck it's called, trying to find <laughs> the next Thursday and Taking Back Sunday and garnering a ton of mediocre hits to line their coffers. The labels for Rays into har quality hardcore and metal were getting further and further apart. It's a trend which will continue as we cut through the tangled underbrush of the next few years. Yeah, oof, this is bad. There's a few legal quandaries which we will definitely get to as well. But first... Let us return to a simpler time, a time when we had pretend jobs. Well, I guess you didn't because you had to grow up really fast. Yeah, uh, 2003, I had pretend jobs. I had a pretend job, too. Yeah. Uh, and we thought our band Total Recall was going to be the next H2O. Ah, yes. I remember. Yeah, what a great year. What a weird year. I was a junior in high school and getting my heart broken and really miserable and working at Aunt Catfish. So it was cool. Uh, not yet bartending because I wasn't old enough. So, um, <clears throat> so I didn't have a real job. I was working Sunday brunch and eating pancakes for free. Bunday brunch. Bunday brunch. So the fine print of Thursday's deal to get the hell off of Victory included the caveat that their next two LPs must bear the Victory's logo, the Victory Records logo, even though Victory didn't do a goddamn thing to put out the record, which is absurd. Very mean. Absolutely absurd. It's mean. It's just it's just it's just not nice. So this is the reason why Thursday's follow-up to full collapse entitled War All the Time. More like bore all the time, am so I right? Dumb. Woo! It's so good. It's it's their best record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Yeah. 
You're really, you're a really funny person. Um, you're a really funny person. You should have a podcast. So, uh, this is listed as victory on victory records discography, uh, even though they didn't have anything to do with it. Now the album didn't receive the same number of accolades as his predecessor with one reviewer stating that the songs were quote, felt like a chore to get through. <laughs> Don't I know it. Woo. I have so <laughs> upset. at you. <laughs> <laughs> Are we do so for, for people who are listening, Mikey's doing finger guns. So that's a thing that's, that's happening right now. Um, now, incidentally, World of Time was produced by Sal Villanueva. 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 I'm pretty sure it's Sal Villanova. Villanova. That's not how you spell Nova. I understand, but I think the pronunciation is Sal Villanova. Okay. Well, Sal Villanova, uh, famed for producing Tell All Your Friends, Scarheads, Kings at Crime, and our home state heroes, the Spit Valves, moving on. Same guy. Uh, same guy. Same guy. Too bad he couldn't coax a decent performance out of these soft body beta males. I'm so mad that you made me say that. Uh, at any rate, Thursday was a massive bit. Because you know what? You can say what you want, but they were the only band that had the balls at the time to like stand up to Victory Record and leave. All the hardcore bands wanted to go, and they didn't. I mean, Scarhead never had a problem. There was never a contract dispute because Ezek probably went into his office and put a fucking gun on his desk. All I'm saying, all I'm saying, <laughs> all I'm saying is that the only two people that ever stood up to Tony Victory that had the balls to were Dwid. And Jeff Rickley. So that makes Jeff Rickley braver than Lordy Zach. And I'm well, gonna... I'll tell him you said so, as he is a friend of the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, please don't kill me. I can, uh... Let, uh, <laughs> I can let Roger uh, Roger Merritt know, Roger Murray know, because uh, he is playing Rockville. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you should tell him. Uh, now, at any rate, Thursday was a massive band at the time, and they toured with AFI, Year of the Rabbit, Death by Stereo, Cody and Cambria, Further Seems Forever, Poison the Well, and Spittlefield. No matter how you slice it, there's not a single lineup in that stack worth seeing, according to Mikey, which is not cool. Woo woo. Pew, pew, pew. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, gotcha. <laughs> I made you say what I thought. I thought it. I wrote it, and then I made you say it, and you said it. So so upsetting. Death by Stereo, not a good band, by the way. Um, Neither are any of them. No, Cody and Cambria. The first two Cody and Cambria records are great. If you want to hear, forever is awesome. If you want to hear a guy with hair bigger than my car who has a voice like Tinkerbell sing like Rush songs, you go right ahead. That's exactly what I want to see. I hate it. All right. So speaking of Spittlefield, which by the way is one of my brother's favorite bands. What? <laughs> uh, uh, this is a Chicago rock band signed to Victory in 2003 and released their sophomore LP, Remember Right Now. I can guarantee if we called Jesse right now and we told him about Spittlefield, he would be like, yeah, fuck yeah. Would he remember right now? Uh, yes, he would. That's really good. That was a good callback to that album. Was, so now, called, it's, it back, called it back. <laughs> good for you. Where's your finger guns there? Now, uh, it's hard to conceive another band who is this 2003. I'll give you that. Um, they're just the goddamn definition of 2003 bands. Breathy bird vocals, mid-tempo staccato guitar riffing, and an all-around cookie-cutter sound that detracts from any energy that they might have conveyed to the listener. The Way She Said L.A. is a good song, and you should go listen to that. Five Days and Counting is also a good song. You should go listen to that album. Now, they would release two more LPs with Victory before fading into obscurity, and Spittlefield has unbelievably reunited uh, on several occasions when lead vocalist Mark Rose isn't lost inside his own ass with his solo pop and blues project. Didn't know that existed. Don't need to listen to it. Uh, uh, and We haven't listened to it, and we're fine with that, and that's where we're going to stay with that. That's where we're going to leave off with Spittlefield. <laughs> well, did we say that Spittlefield was the most 2003 band of 2003? 
well, all these piles of whiny bitches are so forgettable. <laughs> we forgot to mention Silverstein until right now. Oh, God. I mean, the names are basically interchangeable, and so are their goddamn haircuts. Now, Silverstein, they really take that 2003 shit cake and run right into a wall with it. It's bad mall emo, singy, screamy vocals, riffs that were somehow worse than Poison the Well, and just mix some poorly executed pop punk in there just for bad measure and that's what you got silverstein mm-hmm. lyrically the band was all about you know uh knives and blood and what you did to me a standard fare for the day you know just mm-hmm. just just like jellyfish spine males screaming about why don't you love me why did you love me it's because you're a puddle and nobody fucking should ever like you get a job shut up Now, Silverstein hailed from Ontario, cool, and named themselves after poet Shel Silverstein. I just found this out. I read up on Shel Silverstein a little bit. Uh Great. I I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait for you to ruin the giving tree for everybody right now. (laughs) I got off a little detour. Found out that Shel slept with, quote, hundreds, perhaps thousands of women, unquote, according to his biography. Now, just imagine him writing and illustrating The Giving Tree with a horrible herpes flare. (laughs) The boy loved the tree very much, and the tree was happy. Sure it was, Shell. I'm sure the tree was happy. (laughs) Anyway, Victory released Silverstein's When Broken is Easily Fit with Broken is Easily Faxed in 2003. It's faxed. Um, it was one of the it was one of the rare instances when Tony he did this a lot. This was his pattern. He would discover a band after their debut LP, uh huh, and sign them for the sophomore one. Um, and he'd sort of rope them onto victory. You know, a band a, a band that's got an LP out that that's like you know touring and getting noticed. You know, there, there's some modest success up to that point. They've done it all themselves or with the help of a smaller label. Um, mm-hmm. So what he'd do is he'd use their hard work and he'd rope them onto the label. At least this is how it seems to us uh, looking from the outside in. And then he uh, we just, talked to people and they kind of confirmed this. Yeah, he just sort of like leveraged them into this draconian 12 album deal upon penalty of death and dismemberment. Uh-huh. It's like not that many bands can produce 12 full length albums. Yeah. I don't know anybody who really does. So a lot of the deals that you heard about the time were like five five album deals, That's still a um, lot, which is a lot. And so uh, the, some bands got really creative with what they were willing to put out and what they did put out, and we can talk about that later too. Um, but most of them were like five albums with victory, no matter what. And uh, and what ended up happening was a lot of bands would break up because they couldn't fulfill it, and they wanted to do other projects, so they would have to break up and be a different band to fulfill those projects. Yeah, it's it's a lot of it's a it's a mess. It's shitty is what it is. It's so shitty. Silverstein ain't good, but at that point with this type of music becoming massively popular, Victory didn't suddenly didn't have to really try all that hard to get a hit. You know, they just sign any of these fucking haircuts. When Broken is easily fixed, sold over two hundred thousand records. That's wild. It's a shame. I mean, to be fair, that that is like the 2003 era. Like that is like the MySpace generation era when all that stuff was getting really popular. Hey, so. we were playing music. We didn't sell anything. Everybody fucking didn't even care because we had integrity. <laughs> yeah, it really it really served us well. 
Yeah, yeah. Now, Count the Stars was another ridiculous group victory scooped up in 2003 to release their Now You Hear It, Now You Don't LP, Never Be Taken Alive. The four-piece hailed from Albany and broke up for the same year their only full length was released. So, 2003, they put it out, they break up, it's great. Rumor has it Tony Victory drank too much of their Adrenochrome and the band had to put be put down like dogs. So, that's what, so they're gone, nobody knows where they're at. Like dogs. Speaking of dogs... I love, I love that we're talking about this band. Victory went out on a limb in 2003 with the most oddball of signings, that of Gnome Alaska's Snow Dogs. Nope. That's the R&B family. Uh, the family band started in 1971 and, discovered, and was discovered by Don Powell, former manager of Stevie Wonder and David Bowie. He should be so lucky. Uh, this Snow Dogs was from Finland, we think. And played unremarkable pop rock that didn't have nearly the pedigree of their Alaskan namesakes. In fact, Snow Dogs became a bit of a punchline for how victory had, for how far they had fallen in the eyes of the people who enjoyed listenable music. Uh, Snow Dogs sounded like a shitty version of Midtown and actually released an LP on Victory called Animal Farm in 2002, but they weren't really noticed until 2003's Deep Cuts Fast Remedies. Now, songs like Boy in the Bubble, Your Sorry Ass, and a lot of lost time would fail to impress anybody, and the band disappeared shortly after the release of Deep Cuts. Their frozen bodies would later be found in Finland, a discovery which garnered a collective sigh of relief from everyone everywhere. Whew! I gotta say something, because this is something you didn't include. I remember when this Snow Dogs album came out, and I remember Kareem, like, blowing a funny fuse over this album. <laughs> really? Because, yes, because it had gotten released nationwide. Like, it was everywhere. It was in every store, and it sold zero copies the first week it came out. <laughs> like, it was the worst performing Victory Records album of the at that time. Like, and he, I remember him just blowing a few, just laughing so hard that this band existed and that they sold literally zero records. Yeah, I mean, it was good. I, I have never listened to Snow Dogs until I did this. I just remember the name, and everyone would just never be able to say the full name as they just start laughing. Uh-huh. So, yeah. I listened to it. I mean, it's just fucking dumb. It's just dumb. Yeah. I don't understand how it wound up on this label. It makes no sense. <sighs> anyway, 2003 would also herald the return of Carl Crisis. Oh, great. Vocalist of the then-defunct Earth Crisis, if only we had been so lucky. I saw, real away. quick, I saw a video of, him, of them performing, and he does not look good. He looks like he is having a hard time moving around. Yeah, it's because he needs protein in his diet. No, that's not what it is. Okay. Yep. You're, you're falling apart. Don't tell me. All right. Refusing to just blow himself up in an act of domestic <laughs> vegan terrorism, Carl had a new band called Freya, named after the Norse goddess of blessings, love, and fertility. Three things most vegans don't have because no one wants to be around them. Now, <laughs> Freya's debut LP was titled As the Last Light Drains. And it featured a lot more melody than one would expect from this stink-faced frontman of a famously metallic hardcore band. And, you know, uh, is Carl's singing voice good? The answer is a resounding, nuh uh No. Nope. Ew. Um, there are some heavy songs on the track listing, but they're neither good nor competent. I, I mean, I can say for Earth Crisis, at least they had their own sound. Um, Freya was a real stinker, but much like Carl and his former band, uh, they can't seem to be killed. It's a testament to their vegan powers. And they released a record as recently as 2016. They're still a band? Uh, at least 2016 they were. Ugh. 
Now, 2003 would also see Florida's pop-punk hardcore band Glass Eater release their final LP, Everything is Beautiful When You Don't Look Down, on Victory. Hmm. Now, we don't have a lot to say about Glass Eater, mostly because back in the day, um, if you said anything bad about them, once you crossed, <laughs> once you crossed the Dade County line, uh-huh. 16 dudes would be waiting for you wearing basketball jerseys, and they just beat the wheels off you. Yeah. We remember. Nobody um, said anything bad about Glass Eater. We nope. were afraid. So, which is weird because they were like a pop punk band, but it was like all these like Miami dudes who scared the shit out of me. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's horrifying. Now, Glass Eater's 2000 breakout uh, LP, Seven Years Bad Luck. I thought it was listenable and fun. It's not my favorite thing. Um, everything is beautiful when you don't look down. Uh, they had a different vocalist. I think the drummer became the singer. Mm-hmm. It was a bit more mainstream. It was a little boring. But compared to Spittlestein and Silverfield, it's a, <laughs> it's a landmark record. Yeah, they're not bad. Victory would also release Between the Buried and Me's The Silent Circus in 2003. I explained them on a previous edition of Explain mm-hmm. This Band. They play mm-hmm. weird tech metal for freaks and perverts. Oh, man, that's not fair. <laughs> I love that's that's one of my fa- that's actually one of my one of my favorite Victory releases. I'm so sorry to hear that. It dude, it's so good. Uh, now, Kesway 2 returned in 2003 with their third LP, the second without founding member, Thomas Kalnaki, uh, and it was called Dinosaur Sounds, and it wasn't much to write home about. Uh, gone was second vocalist Jeff Davidson, who had appeared in the band's second LP alone in the crowd. Now, trumpet player Kevin Gunther and saxophone player Ryan Eldred were trading off the vocals. Now, those are also very white names. Well, they were all, like, white guys. Yeah, very white guys. Um... I'm just saying, like, they, like, they, well, they, like, I'm just saying, they're very white names. Oh, okay. Ryan well, Eldred. Let's put him in jail, Shane. <sighs> now, the record's not terrible, but Kings Me Nights <laughs> is, it is not, and we understand that. And with no Jamie Josta guest spot, it's just this, it's just, it, this one is just not Josta, and we're okay with that. Not, now, jo- no, I'm not okay with that. That's what I'm you're, saying. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm See, so listeners, good with that. when I write these outlines, I often sneak in things that I know Shane doesn't agree with or believe just to hear him read them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather Jamie Josta be on the record, but I'd rather this record just didn't come out. I think that's more pragmatic. Yeah, it's not that great of a record. All right. So thankfully, in 2003, original Catch-22 mastermind Thomas Kalnaki returned with a new band called Streetlight Manifesto and their fantastic debut LP, Everything Goes Numb. What was missing from every Catch-22 release post-Keysby Nights was restored on Everything Goes Numb. You've got great melodies, rapid-fire lyrics, and incredible performances from everyone involved. And Everything Goes Numb is a hell of a throwback to Kalnaki's glory days, and it really scratches the itch that we'd, we'd had since he quit Catch-22. It was a return to form, and it was really, really nice. Oh, yeah. It was a good one. I do like that one a lot. Yeah. Now, Victory's, quote, good, i.e. decent hardcore and metal releases around that time, uh, were coming few and far between by the end of 2003, though we did get a few gems amongst the bulldog shit that is coming out, one of them being Darkest Hour's follow-up to Sociated So Secure, Hidden Hands of a Sadist Nation. This album unstoppable from front to back it it's is good so good i mean like that intro where it's got like the 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 synth where it's like so good now uh the record was darkest hour doing what they do best blending melodic european death metal with not so melodic american death metal uh and this was back when ryan Parrish just ran on his double bass pedals for the band's entire set which we're pretty sure was just him running a marathon yeah 
Like, at full speed. Now, notably, Hidden Hands featured a guest vocal appearance from none other than Thomas Lindbergh, vocalist of At The Gates, The Crown, Briefly, Lock Up, The Great Deceiver, etc., etc., etc. Okay? Uh, and this further cemented cursory metal fans' interest in European metal, us most definitely included in that group. We discovered so much, so many bands because of Darkest Hour, I think. Yeah, and I really like this album. I remember they played here, uh, they played the first This Is For You Fest here after the record came out. And it was really awesome. Yeah, and they came and they toured. They toured with other victory bands that we will probably talk about. Yeah, I mean, I vividly remember that set though from uh, from the fest. It was amazing. Yeah, incredible. Every time I've ever seen them, they've been incredible. Now, Victory Records would also release "Pray for Death," the fourth LP from the Sacramento Hoods, <laughs> a notorious band of monsters and criminals. Uh-huh. Um, this was actually Hood's second record for victory, the first being 2001's Time, The Destroyer. Now, Hood's played Daytona once, and somebody ended up waving a gun around, but I've always enjoyed them to some extent. <laughs> to some uh-huh. extent. Um, not so much these victory years, though. Um, when they went over to Eulogy 2005 and did The King is Dead, uh, that's that's when I was really like, oh, yeah, I, I, I do like it. Um, anyway, much like Thursday, Hoods didn't have such a great time at Victory Records. It's the only thing in the universe that both of the ba- these bands have in common. <laughs> so I found yeah. a great quote. In 2015, Lambgoat was talking with vocalist Mikey Hood about uh-huh. the band's time on Victory, and he had this to say. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Brummel is a fake pair of tits. Hey, big shot. <laughs> Hey, big shot. How about you pay us some honest numbers, you fucking fake ass Chicago bitch? Let's fight one one. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's <laughs> one 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 on one. Call you out. This is why we don't play the songs from Victory Records. In this world, there are those that give a fuck, have a spine, and are honest. I was 19 years old, Mr. Tony Brummel. Please give what an honest man would. Give me all my albums back. Last quarter statement was almost $10,000. That's quarterly. I spent 20 plus years of my life in hoods. Still poor, still proud, still working in loving hoods. There's a lot of bands that could use some help. You sit with your yachts, your houses in Jamaica. If you're a man with a spine, I'll gladly eat my words. I will also gladly fight you in any street across the (laughs) USA. All the hardcore kids know you're a fucking spineless coward. Even the emo kids at this point. (laughs) Now, I meant no disrespect to Mr. Hood with that voice. (laughs) Yeah, it just just fits. I couldn't do it in my own voice. I had to give it a tough voice, but... Of course. Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember when they played Daytona with Embrace Today. It was a scary fucking show. It was a scary fucking show. I stood outside because I did not want to get hurt. I was like, oh, God. But, you know, he uh, he sort of summed up uh, the sentiment. It, this is a sentiment that would become all too common among Victory's growing stable of bands going forward. It's just Mikey Hood had the he had the panache. To, to tell us what we were all thinking. <laughs> yeah, we were all, we had already arrived. We were there. Two thousand four comes along. Uh, that's the year that I graduated high school. So uh, I'm coming up on my 20-year anniversary for 20-year high school reunion type of stuff right now, which is weird. Um, And so 
So this is the last year we're going to break down because honestly, it's the last year we can bring ourselves to give shit about. When Victory fell off, they fell off real fast and it gets it gets to be a real problem. Now, Treyu's sophomore LP, The Curse, was one of the first big releases of the year and it featured a bit of an update to their sound. Did they get better? Nope. Not even close. Um, they just tried to mix their shitty vampire screamo with Bon Jovi, so great. Uh, that was happening a whole lot. They were just 18 Visions Jr. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's what they really wanted to be. Uh, just imagine Sambora with fangs and mascara, and you'll get the picture. That's what it is. Now, of course, Taking Back Sunday returned as well during that year with Where You Are and Where You Want to Be. Uh, it's Where You Want to Be. It's where you, it is, it's, The whole album is Where You Are and Where You Want to Be. Dude, it's called Where You Want to Be. I don't believe you for a second. I'm looking, I'm looking it up, it up, right, up now. right now. You said this last week, and I had to edit it out. Where You Want to Be is the second studio album by American rock band Taking Back Sunday. Where'd you look that up at? I looked it up on fucking Google, which you trust more than I do. I don't trust Google at all. Taking Back I'm Sunday on Where You Want to Be. That's from YouTube. Where You Want to Be, album by Taking Back Sunday, Spotify. They're shortening it. Taking They're Back Sunday, Where You Want to Be, Genius. Uh, Taking Back Sunday, Where You Want to Be, Disco. Oh, Taking Back Sunday, Return with it, Where You Want to Be. I'm just telling you, you're wrong. It says it on the fucking cover. I don't like being told I'm wrong. But it's if you're fucking wrong. Where You Want to Be on the cover. Taking Back Sunday returned as well during this year, 2004, uh, with Where You Want to Be. Uh, a more than worthy follow-up to Tell All Your Friends, which actually I really love this record, so I've, it sucks that I keep getting this album title wrong. Now, uh, interestingly, it's so good. It's it's really a great follow-up. Now, interestingly, Tony Victory eschewed marketing the record in a traditional fashion and opted instead for the tried-and-true method of utilizing a street team to hand out samples, samplers and flyers. God, there were so many street teams. So dumb. It was so dumb. Why in the fuck would he do this? Well, it's simple. It was free. You can get street teams. You can just send them a couple bits of merch, and then they get to just hand out shit. I think Justin was a street team for, what, Relapse or something, and just like just got a bunch of shit and never handed stuff out. It was you know great. what he would do? He would just... He would just leave it at his house. He had stacks of relapse CDs. <laughs> he, he didn't give a shit. He'd give some of it to us, but that was it. He just did it to get free yeah. shit. Yeah, it's great. It was awesome. Now, one upside of streaming is that the street team has become a thing of the past, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, it does. It just. It's. It's just a bogus method. Now, uh, it made sense for smaller labels, but Victory was a huge label. Uh, with especially with that Thursday cash coming in, they were. They were good. They didn't need to do street teams. It was. It was over with. They were already in the main stream there was literally no reason unless they were cheap and bald which victory was both now we mentioned taking back sunday had some lineup changes after tell all your friends and this was due to singer adam lazara being a drunk and cheating on his girlfriend uh, and doing all these horrible things um, who just happened to be the sister the girlfriend uh the sister of taking back sunday guitarist and second vocalist so nolan the second vocalist broke off and started an emo band with his sister and taking back sunday bassist sean cooper and they called themselves stray light run and released their self-titled debut with victory in 2004 this band wasn't nearly as energetic fun or catchy as taking back sunday i will admit that i can admit that it's not a bad record but it is it, it, you know and they put a lot of people to sleep according to mikey um, in 2010, Nolan and Cooper rejoined Taking Back Sunday on the condition that Nolan's sister could dropkick Adam Lazara in the scrotum, which accounts for his much higher register on Taking Back Sunday's subsequent albums. Now, another big signing for victory in 2004 was that of Queens, New York's Bayside. <sighs> Bayside's described as a punk rock band. However, they sound more like easy listening pop music for neighborhood gentrifying hipsters. Mm -hmm. Victory released Bayside's debut, Sirens and Condolences, in 2004, and there's really not much else we can say about it. 
I mean, billing themselves as a punk rock band from Queens is a bit in a, it was a bit of a slap in the face to the legendary neighborhood. Agreed. If Bayside ever played a show in Deep Queens, we assume there would definitely have been sirens and no condolences once the locals rose as one and slew them. <laughs> now, of course, the final and most momentous stop on our reluctant tour of 2004 would have to be the debut album by Ohio's biggest embarrassment since the <laughs> 1927 erection of their Robert E. Lee monument. Does Ohio know they're mm. not a southern state? They, I don't think they do. They suck. Um, yes, 2004 brought us The Silence in Black and White by Hawthorne Heights. Oh, my God. Oh, we wish it hadn't. Oh, we wish it didn't exist. Now, Hawthorne Heights pretty much summed up what Victory Records and popular music was all about at this time. They had it all. The pseudo-poetic name that mentions a place or a season. Check. Beta male lead vocalist. Check. Screechy, sort of chubby, waterweight second vocalist. Check. (laughs) Weak songs. Cringeworthy lyrics about blacking eyes and slitting wrists and haircuts that were slowly devouring their brains from the outside. Check, check, and check. The Silence in Black and White was unfortunately a hit. It peaked at number 56 on the Billboard charts, if you care about that sort of thing. And they used to. Right. They used to. Now, keep these buckeyed buttholes in mind because we're going to come back to them <laughs> in just a few minutes. Now, here's the thing, listeners. We have to stop wading through this poison swamp of a discography right here. The reason being that if we didn't, we would have to stretch this out to five more episodes, and nobody wants that. Remember, we're three episodes in, and we're on 2004. Uh Uh-huh. So, suffice to say, Victory Records would continue to release a landslide of bad pop punk and even worse emo throughout the remainder of the 2000s and into the 2010s. Though there was the occasional decent record thrown in amongst all the filth but for every on earth as it is in hell by martyr ad or kowloon walled city by premonitions of war Uh uh-huh there were six or seven other albums by mascara streaked half vampire swoop haired noodle bodied bands like aiden in action action the black mariah the audition the junior varsity to tip the scales in the wrong direction Mm -hmm. no doubt releasing this metric ton of dreck throughout the aughts and the aught tens garnered Tony victory, a Scrooge McDuck level of profit. But those profits came with a cost of their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember how Tony broke it off in Thursday's eye? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. as we said, they weren't the last band he manhandled. The previously mentioned Hawthorne Heights brought the next high profile lawsuit against victory. Which brings us to dun 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 yeah so it's time for some courtroom drama I love this is my favorite season of Law and Order I wish yeah I wish this was all on Law and Order I wish this was an entire season of Law and Order where it's just a bunch of like shitty wavy boys show up in in court and be like that bald man was mean to us (laughs) now uh, shut up alright now 
these lawsuits are not nearly as entertaining as watching Ben Matlock using a badger to solve a case or watching Judge Judy scream at people who can't even put gas in their cars, but we would be remiss if we didn't at least mention them because this does go on to shape up the decisions that are made later in victory records and kind of the downfall. It is, it is very much so, uh, you know, the, one of the reasons why they are no longer a record now a record label. Now in 2006, uh, Hawthorne Heights filed suit against victory and issued a manifesto on their website, announcing their departure from the label. The reasons they claimed were shady accounting practices and well, Tony victory's clandestine sales war against R and B star Neo. I said that. I said that's the thing I said out loud. Now, if it doesn't make sense to you, you're not alone. It breaks down like this. Neo's and Hawthorne Heights albums were scheduled to release on the same day. Tony allegedly issued a message purported to be from Hawthorne Heights to their fans and to his street team, urging people to buy the new Hawthorne Heights record instead of Neo's Neo's record to save rock music, is what he said. Huh. Okay, so he also urged the street team to conceal copies of Neo's CD in record stores to hurt his sales. That's fun. Uh, so, victory countersued and everyone was wrapped up in court until January of 20, 2008. Uh, and the result was that Hawthorne Heights didn't get any extra money, but they were allowed to record for any label, though they released their third LP with victory. So we searched for an actual positive outcome, but that's all we found. There was no, there was no good that came out of this for anybody. Um, now, however, we did find an interesting postscript. In 2020, Kanye West was intent on suing his record label. Uh, Hawthorne Heights tweeted at him saying, don't sue your label. It doesn't work. Trust us. So that's kind of funny. <laughs> now, <laughs> I do, I do like, I do like that Kanye West got brought into this weirdly enough. <laughs> well, he is from Chicago. That's that's fair. okay, yeah. So now Tony's next next legal tussle would involve those lovable goofballs from Ocala, a day to remember. Now, sure, we used to, Mike used to hate them. I still don't really give a shit about them. I <laughs> they fell off the map. I would not be sad. Um, but as we have detailed here, uh, you know, Mikey is actually now open to a lot of bad stuff. So that's why he's listening to all this stuff and then still shitting on the things that I like. So I don't get I don't get the disconnect. But you know, they have energy. They're they're fun. They? They're a fun band. They're I mean I don't know how you can listen to uh, some of their songs and not be like, yeah, that's that's fun. It's fun. It's just fun. You want to listen to like fucking Tortoise or some shit? That Tortoise is great. That shit's it's all around you. It's a great fuck. record. I don't need I don't need energy in every one of my albums to enjoy it and appreciate it. Well, and that therein lies the difference. All right. So, in 2011, Data Remember sued Victory over $75,000 in unpaid royalties. Now, uh, Victory stated that the lawsuit wasn't about royalties, but about the band trying to get out of their five-album deal with the label. Eventually, Data Remember was given permission to release their 2013 LP, Common Courtesy, with whomever they chose. And in That's 2016, uh, is it? Uh, mm-hmm. Now, in 2016, Data Remember won $4,000,000. We said million. Not seventy-five thousand, four million dollars from Victory had their contract rescinded, received control of their publishing, and were given their digital royalties. Victory did get to keep their master recordings, so that's kind of a weird thing too. Like that's always weird when like the artists don't get to keep their master recordings. That sucks. They basically won everything but that, which is pretty good. But yeah. still, I mean, I, I don't know what that means. I guess they can't release their own records. Victory still, you know, can release. Uh, records, but like they have control of their publishing, which I think 
means that they get some of their royalties. I, I don't know. They would still get the royalties, but they don't get to like do anything with the master recordings. Like the the records will forever live on Victory, and no other version of those records will ever exist unless Victory decides to do something with it. Like so, it basically, like if they wanted to remix those records and re-release them as like digital stuff, like they they're not allowed to do that because Victory owns it. I see. All right, so that sucks. Well, finally, Streetlight Manifesto, they have their own go around with Victory Records. In 2015, Victory Records sued Streetlight Manifesto for unfulfillment of their four-album contract. Now, Streetlight had actually released five albums with Victory, though one of them was a re-recording in entirety of Keysby Nights from Catch-22, and the other was a covers album, and Victory stated that those two did not count. Huh. Um, have you heard the re-recorded Keysby Nights? Uh, I did. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Keysby Nights is still better. Yeah, I didn't need it. Yeah. Um, at one point, Streetlight Manifesto did announce that Victory actually wasn't suing the band. Victory was suing lead vocalist and guitarist Tommy Kalnaki, our boy, for five million dollars. What a dick. Uh, fortunately, both the band and Thomas Kalnaki and the label released a. Label reached a settlement in 2017, and Streetlight was able to buy back their master recordings. Okay. So that brings us close to the end of our tale. As we said, Victory would continue to release records of decreasing quality until 2019 when Concord Music Group purchased the label and the label's publishing company, Another Victory Inc., for $30 million. So... After a lot of allegedly shady business dealings, a lot of bands claiming to be fucked over, Tony walked with more money than any of his artists were ever permitted to make. Now, record labels have historically never been about helping the artists on their roster. We're talking about big labels here, not not independents. Right. Because Victory Victory lived in this shadow world where like they were so fucking big that they were pretty much a mainstream label. They weren't an independent anymore. Yeah, they weren't quite as big as Epitaph, but they, like, because when Epitaph blew up with the Offspring and Rancid and all that stuff, but they were in that realm where it was like, they were an indie label that got mainstream success. An outsider does think that a label is there to, to help, but ask anyone in hip-hop who came up in the 80s and 90s. Um, these companies were designed to pump their bands for as much cash as possible while keeping them locked into shitty deals that net the artist a pittance of what they make for the label and it's terrible business and it's it's good that it's going away like streaming isn't the final answer because many streaming companies are run in much the same way i mean we have we have like four or five albums up on spotify and like i know people don't listen to them but if they did (laughs) we'd be making like a nickel a month if that you know yeah these streaming companies they're evil too and the dinosaurs must die this this business practice has got to go kids now have the ability to produce music in a bedroom using a laptop they can shoot a video on an iphone soon enough major labels thing of the past don't need them anymore um and we're not happy the the bar on music's been lowered but at least artists who do everything themselves and like blow up on YouTube and blow up on SoundCloud there, they get the lion's share of profits because without them, you know, I mean, who, who else would get it? There's no right. label. So victory did introduce underground music to an entire generation of kids, just like us, but they did it 
on the backs of artists who should have been treated far better. Um, maybe punk and hardcore labels just aren't meant to get that big. I mean, whatever the case, we're grateful for a lot of the music, but Tony ain't the one who made it. Right. Now, surprisingly, Tony started a new label in 2020, Mission 2 Entertainment, whose, no pun intended, mission statement is, same job, different name, bigger mission. Christ. <laughs> How boy. So... So far, the label has released Dave Smalley from DYS and Dag Nasty, his new band, um, a reissue of the 80s hardcore band Insight, and the new Chromax LP. So here's hoping he pays his bands with their owed, because Harley will probably stab him. No? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We will leave you, dear listener, with a quick rundown of our top five victory releases each. Now, we've raved about the classics already, so you know we're not going to be including the ones we've already screamed about, like Catch-22... And, you know, hate breed and all that. But instead, we're going to pick some of the records we weren't able to get to or just simply forgot about over these past three episodes. I am going to say my number five that I would go down uh, and and say here would be either Thursday's Full Collapse or We're All the Time. Like, um, not that We're All the Time is a Victory Records release, but we kind of talked about that. And I just, well, it was one of those bands I remember seeing that I, I don't, I remember. The first time I'd heard Thursday, they didn't sound like any bands that I could remember off the top of my head. And That's they, for sure. And they do put on a really good show. Like, they do put on a very energetic show for being a band that's like, whoa. He just swings um, the microphone around. He swings the microphone. But they're really they're really good. So, you know what? Say what you want. This is, the, like, Full Collapse and War All Time, I think, are tied for my number fives for, for like, some of my favorites. Okay. <laughs> well, for my number five, I picked... The 2007 and 2011 LPs by the Warriors. Genuine Sense of Outrage and See How You Are. Mm-hmm. Oh, they went from eulogy to victory. I don't know how that shook out for them. Now they're on pure noise. I didn't hear anything bad about it, but you know maybe they got lucky. But, you know, the, these were the two records where Marshall's voice went mid-range. I think it sounds so much better, even though I do like the first two. And they're, you know, Genuine Sense of Outrage is like 15, 14 songs or something. Yeah. And they're just, I think they're both like really great heavy records that are super unique and have like a groove and a lot of, a lot of cool riffing to them. And I just, nobody else sounds like them. And I know you hate them, but those are my number fives. Uh, <laughs> I don't Genuine hate, Sense of I don't Outrage hate them. And See How You Are by the Warriors. And See How You Are gets overlooked. People should listen to it because my favorite Warrior song is on that record. What's your favorite Warrior song? Um... Oh shit! What's the fucking name? Of it? <laughs> uh, oh, pit of shame, pit of shame. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's my favorite one. It's not a uh, price of punishment. No, the one with Lemmy's good, but like, it's not my favorite one off that record either. I think uh, what's it called? Um, is it Belly or Odium Vice? Where it says Crucifier. Crucifier. I'll be the one without a thorn in my side. Come out. I mean, it's like so. Yeah, it's, uh, it's they're good. not ignorant either. They like all their all their lyrics about philosophy. They're a great band. No, they are they are good. I've come around to them. I have come around to. Oh, Warriors. look who's here. Okay. Uh, so my number four would be I I would say Taking Back Sundays. Uh, where you want to be? All you uh, are where I, you want to be. Ever, yeah, where, where you are want to be. <laughs> um, I just remember it kicking off with that like. Like it's just like phasers to stun. Uh huh. Yeah, set phasers to stun. Bonus mosh part two is a great song. Um, you know, and I just it was one of those. They were one of those bands that I remember being bummed that there was a new lineup at for this record. But I was really um uh actually 
thought the new lineup was really good. Um, they did a really good job. Like this album and the one after it, which is um, uh, Louder Now, are both pretty decent Taking Back Sunday records, even though they are very different from Tell All Your Friends. Um, I can't remember what the guy's name is. He was in the band Breaking Pangea, and he was like the other main songwriter that was on these bands, on these. Um, and uh, I just thought he did a really good job. Like, if you're going to replace members of your band who are primary songwriters, that's very difficult. And to have somebody step in and write two really good fucking records after like a landmark record is a really impressive feat. So, um, where you, where you want to be really stuck out for me. And, and this was like a really just like a nostalgic time for me me too so yeah i do really like that one a lot i was i mean it was one of those records i was like highly anticipating it didn't let me down yeah we used to listen to it in the back room at journeys all the time like mitrick and i when we would be tired <laughs> and we yeah. couldn't listen to scarhead anymore yeah, yeah 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 it's a good one um so for my number four i talked uh at great length about all out war uh for those who were crucified Mm-hmm. But their follow-up, 2003's Condemned to Suffer, is just as good, if not better. It's a little more like Slayer influenced. I would, I would, you know, I would call it a metal record, and it's just, it's, it's what they do. They just do it really well. It's like the melding of Hatebreed and Slayer, and there's a lot of fast parts. There's a lot of shredding. The artwork is really cool, metallic, like hell-looking artwork. Um, yeah. I don't hear people talk about condemned to suffer as much as for those who were crucified, but it's just as good. So okay, that is a good one too. Yeah. That's all at war rules. Yeah. Uh, my number three is uh, justice replaced by revenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so God. I, so the reason this is also one of those nostalgic ones, but for an entirely different reason. So like when I, when, when taking back Sunday came out, I was like in a relationship that was like pretty okay at the time. Um, and so like has all these like nice, warm and fuzzy memories. Uh, when I discovered justice replaced by revenge, I was with my ex (laughs) (laughs) and I just remember, like, I just have this, like the searing thought in my head where I'm like, this is, this is it. This is my life now. Um, we are, we are, you know, like, and I'm just like, that's, it's not an option. Yeah. 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 So like hearing like just the kickoff of this album, it just does not give you any room to breathe. And I remember, like, I remember really being into like ringworm before, like just being stoked about their other stuff. But like, this was really one where I went, holy shit. And uh, I also really liked that there was a song called God Eat God on here, um, <laughs> which was like super offensive to my ex-in-laws. Uh, and like my ex-in-laws family was like, this is good. This song is called God Eat God. You know, like, so it was like very stupid, but uh, it, it, it just, that it holds a special place in my heart for like helping me get through and kind of channel my rage that I was having during those times. Dude, I didn't even think to put that on my list. I should have, but I've Dude. screamed about ringworms so much. Um, yeah it is probably i mean it is my favorite record of theirs probably they're all so good this one edges the other ones out just a tad even yeah this pain but yeah when it opens it's you're immediate you're assaulted the record's an assault yeah it's (laughs) yes they should be charged (laughs) um okay so for man number three (laughs) stupid. I picked 2010's What Separates Me From You by A Day to Remember. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, speaking of exes, um, back in the day, I remember the one before this. Um, 
oh god i mean this was 12 years ago man the the, the girlfriend i had at the time she was like super into them it was the record that was like duh, 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 duh. yeah the, the one that started that way and i don't think Let's it's go. a bad one <laughs> this one has less heavy parts on it but like i hated it because i ended up <laughs> ended up hating her <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, Matt Moment can attest to this. Uh, we, the four of us, Matt and his wife Jenny, and my ex from that back then, and I, uh, we all went to the Warp Tour in Virginia because that's where I, you know, I was living. And she was like so stoked about like Devil Wears Prada and all these fucking bands. And Matt and I, like, <laughs> we were just sitting back, just like, holy shit, man, we're getting old. This shit sucks. <laughs> <laughs> we like watched Bouncing Souls and Less Than Jake and then just sat down. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like this one because it's uh it's it's a little less with the mosh parts and I don't hate the mosh parts but they are pretty stupid. It's yeah. a little bit more straightforward. Uh the songs are super catchy. All I want, they had a single called All I Want and like everybody was in the video like cry, the dudes from Crime and Stereo, Andrew WK, like everyone was like singing the song. Yeah. And I I, I just dig it. It's good. It's definitely not something I put on the car put on in the car when other people are with me, but I like it. Sure. Sure. I think that's fair. I think it's fair. Um, my next one is uh, you mentioned it earlier, and it was one of those ones where, as I was looking at the discography, I was like, "Fuck yeah!" I forgot. I like. I didn't even care that this was on Victory Records. I just cared that this record existed, um, and that is uh, "Left Left in Kowloon" by Premonitions of War. That's a good one, man. Dude, it is. So I have a lot like so there's a couple things with this one. First, uh I learned what the Kowloon Walled City was uh as a result of this record, which is so scary. Scary. Uh and the second thing is I was in a game of you at the time and Josh, our drummer, almost left a game of you to go play drums in Premonitions of War. Oh yeah. Because he was good enough to do it, and when you listen to it, you're like, oh yeah, this is like a drummer's band. Like it is bonkers when it, it does the same thing that like justice replaced by revenge does where it just does not give you room to breathe it starts off and it's like like it's it's really cool like deathy grind kind of stuff but like it, it's really bizarre it's a really good like just fucking banger of a record one of the things i really like is just in the middle of the album like it's been just like fast, like you can't catch your breath. You're on like this fucking like sprint, and then it just stops. And there's one song that's like five and a half, six minutes long. There's two, and like for ten minutes in the middle of the album, it's like weird noise and like these crazy loud doomy drums. Like it is, it is just un. It's an it's an unstoppable, an unfuckwithable record. I liked it because it was kind of techy, but it was raw. Like it wasn't yeah. super polished. Like, they were obviously very good at what they did, like, technically, but they just fucking ripped your face off with it. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and they only and they only put out two records. Like, they only put out two records, and they did a split uh, with a band called Benum, but they only did the two records, and one was uh, True Faces of Panic, and then Left in Kowloon. So they were just, like, a scary band. Did they go on, and did the members go on and do anything? They did a few things, but I, I would have to look up what they were. I never, I didn't really follow them after they broke up. All right. Um, well, my number two is Live by the Code by Terror from 2013. So Terror signed a victory um, around this time. And this was after Lois of the Low, one with the underdogs, um, Always the Hard Way, Keepers of the Faith. And they had some, you know, EPs and shit in there, too. Rhythm Amongst the Chaos um, and The Damn the Shamed. So five LPs in. 
And Terror yeah. has established themselves as like a, a monolith. Yeah. And this was where it was like, I felt like this was a new era of terror. And I was a little surprised at first because like this, a lot of the songs are super short and simple. Whereas a lot of the other shit was getting like crossover riff heavy. Like the uh-huh. damn, the shame is more of a metal record. It's got a lot of like metal riffing on it. And this was like a return kind of the lowest of the low, but even more raw. And I think every one of their records has embodied that since so like the 25th hour, um, Total Retaliation. I can't remember if there was one in between. Shit, I feel stupid now. But like even up to the new one, uh, Painted a Power. Dude, Painted a Power is so fucking good. <laughs> dude, it's like it's not all I listen to, but when I run and I run like four nights a week, it's all I listen to. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it makes me pick my legs up. I'm like, oh, oh, oh! <laughs> just screaming, running down the road. <laughs> but um, it it was almost a punker side of terror. I, I don't, I don't know if that's the right word to say. The songs were a little more primitive, a little faster. And to, you know, you, we'd heard all the bad, the bad shit about victory by this point. And terror is yeah. just like, no, nah, we're going to sign to victory. Fuck you. Like we'll fucking do what we want. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this was when Dave Wood from down to nothing was in the band for like the next two or three LPs. He played bass, yeah. but this was a good, this is a, like I say, this is like when terror started their second life. And, uh, I mean, they're still fucking going strong and live by the code is a really good album. The song live by the code is a great song. <laughs> so okay, yeah. that's a good one. So my number one for victory is, uh, it's funny that I picked this because you also picked the same band. Um, we have different records though. Um, so I, my number one for victory was absolutely hidden hands of a sadist nation by darkest hour. Um, and so it was just, it was my first introduction, like not my first introduction to like, I had already heard at the gates and some of that stuff kind of, cause I came up with like some more metal heads, but this was the first time that I think that I realized that like metal bands could also be political. Like it felt yeah. like a political band and I was like, fuck yeah. And then uh, it just, again, it just starts off with that, like that kind of like that and like it kicks into that, that fucking the, the sadist nation song, um, pay, uh, pay phones and po- pills, which is a great song, like right into the, like, I mean, it's just every song on it. It's just like, it's interesting because you always hear the criticism like, oh, all this stuff sounds the same. It's metal sounds the same. And like, you kind of hear that <laughs> bullshit. And it's like, if you listen to this album, Are you every talking song to Kermit? Sounds- yeah, every. Yeah! Oh, no! Uh, Darkest Hour sounds the same. No, so like, it's it, like, I always, you always hear that. And at the end of the day, it's just, that's just not true. Like, if you really yeah. listen to this album, like, they were so creative, so interesting, and just such incredible musicians, um, that it was just a, a just a, a, a joy to listen to, even though it was like the angriest shit on the planet. Yeah. Um, I, I love Hidden Hands, but my, my number one is, Deliver Us by Darkest Hour, 2007. Dude, that is a close one for me, too. I, I picked this one because I like all their records. I always, I've always i always liked Darkest Hour. And they always had like a thing for Daytona where they would come play. and like Or, or when they were in Florida, they'd be like, where's the Daytona kids at? And like in uh, the yeah. circle pit. So they always like shouted us out, which I thought was cool. But <clears throat> this one has a lot of melody on it in comparison with the other ones. And they do have melody. They're melodic death metal. Yeah. But this one, they really do more melody. And I like it better than Undoing Ruin, the one that preceded it. And I kind of group Undoing Ruin and Deliver Us together, mostly because the artwork was done by the Pig Destroyer guy, like the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like part of a series almost. But that song Demons, 
um, track three that they did a video for really melodic, but super yeah. heavy. Um, th- there's just a lot of great songs on it. Sanctuary. A well, this was kind of like when like John Henry was not doing a lot of just the screaming. He was doing that kind of like yell singing, but yeah. like it really worked for what they were doing. Like it, it wasn't like off putting. It wasn't a Treyu yell singing. No, no, he, it was de- cause the thing that always sucks about those bands is they do like, like, and then, and it's just the novelty of it wears off so fast. So when you hear someone who can actually kind of carry a tune, but still, uh, you know, tear your fucking ears off. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. And I, every darkest hour record is good. Um, to, like an above average, good metal record, but mm-hmm. this is definitely one of my favorites. So. Oh yeah, I mean, Doomsayer is such a great song. Yeah, the opening track is, and it's like there were two songs called Doomsayer that are really good, but Hatebreed did one of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's that's fine. Uh, you know, I that's just one of my one of, one of the songs I really like on this is uh, Full Imperial Collapse, which is like it starts off with that weird like it sounds like they're not ready to play, like it's like oh, and you hear like, and then like it has one of the heaviest breakdowns I've ever heard in a song. It is so evil it's so good demon death march very nice very evil yes very nice hey um well shit you know i mean we talked about like tons of records that we liked but there's a couple that maybe we didn't get to shine a light on as much so i guess we'll link them for you yeah we'll we'll make a playlist it'll be great make a playlist yeah um well shit man that takes us to the end we're done we're done with yeah, victory records. we're done thank god <laughs> when yeah. i was writing the second part i'm sitting there and i'm like okay i'm a 2000 2001 2002 and like two hours later i'm like 2004 fuck i can't do this <laughs> like there's no way we can do this because i can't keep this up plus like, you know if anyone is going to say like oh we skipped a bunch of years like we said you know we can't bring ourselves to do it also, it's all the same bands we talked about, plus a bunch of other shitty ones that nobody remembers, and did like one or two records. They're all gone. Like, you want? Do you really want us to talk about Hawthorne Heights like third LP? Like, yeah, we're not going to. You don't want to hear us talk about up. Aiden. You can, yeah, dude. I was. I had a whole thing written about Aiden, and I deleted it because I was like, I can't do this. I can't talk about <laughs> these fucks anymore. I'm done. Yeah, no thanks. We're done. Oh. Well, yeah, so thank you for coming along with us on this needlessly <laughs> needlessly long journey filled with so many words that you probably didn't enjoy. So many words uh, and so many bands that you won't ever listen to besides Spittlefield. Don't listen to them. They listen are to Spittlefield dumb. Spittlefield is fine. They're dumb. Silver They're one of the spittle. fine ones. Silver fuck, silver chair, fuck them. Silver chair, go listen to silver chair. Go yeah. listen to Sil- go listen to frog stomp. Seriously, listen to silver chair over uh, most of the bands that we talked about. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to don't listen to Coldplay silver chair. Listen to listen to Allison Chain silver chair. I do like the Coldplay silver chair though. I do too. It's actually pretty fucking good. <laughs> Such a good song. He's he's wearing a vest with no shirt in the video. It's ridiculous. He can do that. He's allowed to. Yeah, Some good for him. Some people can do it, man. Some They're Australian, so they get away with all kinds of stuff. All right, should we shout out the patrons? Let's shout them out. All right. I didn't get a chance to last week because your audio fucking died. Amelia messaged me and was like very like gave me a lot of feedback on that. All right. 
Mike Osborne, Laura Crosby, Kate Neal, Amelia Andrews, Matthew Fisher, Jessica Crane, Mario Cipriano, Christian Purley, Nancy Crozier, Emily Lawson, Jess DeMarco, Casey Crawford, Brian Stewart, Tyler Lagasse, and Joe Regano. Yay, yay! Thank you so much! Thank you, guys. So, just in case, so we'll make it up for last week. Joe Regano, Tyler Lagasse, <laughs> Brian Stewart, Casey Crawford, Jess DeMarco, Emily Lawson, Nancy Crozier, Christian Purley, Mario Cipriano, Jessica Crane, Matthew Bisher, Emily, Amelia Andrews, Amelia Andrews, Amelia Andrews. There you go. Are you happy now, <laughs> Amelia? Uh, Kate Neal, uh, Laura Crosby, and Mike Osborne. So, there you go. It's all made up. It's fine now. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So and I don't have we any... have some wonderful ideas for some new bonus episodes. Uh, thank yeah. you to Casey Crawford for his stroke of genius. We will be <laughs> we will be involving several patrons in the episode, so they're going to pay to be on the show. But <laughs> it will be fun. We got some cool stuff coming up. Cool. And uh, yeah, and we I don't have any other announcements. We still have all of, all of our merch for sale. Uh, we're out of coffee, um, but we do still have our shirts. We have our Jerry Lonely pins. We have our stickers. Uh, those are all up on the WND uh, Press uh, website. Yeah, yeah. So that's where we have all of our merch right now. I wear I wear my shirt sometimes. It fits really well. Uh, it's, it's, my shirt fits really good, too. I really yeah. like it. We picked a good we picked a good company to go with for the shirts. They don't just like, you know, they, they don't turn into short fats. They don't get blown out in the wash. <laughs> they really don't. And no, that's a problem for me. It's a quality t shirt. I was pretty surprised. And it's not one of the form fitted, like super soft, like this is microfiber. It's a straight up t shirt and it fits and it's gone through several washings and it's totally fine. Yeah, I still wear it. I wear it to work every now and again. Yeah. I wore Which it to funny. dinner I wore it to dinner with your family. <laughs> And Chris, you did. did. It was great. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, patrons real quick, uh, follow me at wasteland pod. I am my new special episode is going to be out. Not May 27th, but June 3rd. I'm very excited about the subject matter. You can go listen to the newest wasteland special episode 10 underworld, wherever you get your podcasts and expect a new one Friday, June 3rd. It will be out. Cool. And then also you can listen to Paperback Behavior, which is great, um, which is one of the podcasts I'm doing, which we are in the third season right now, which is great. Uh, we are reading a book called Radical Candor for that, and that's been a fun book. Um, and then, you know, just go listen to all the podcasts that are on the network because we have Podcast Network. Podcast Network. All right. All right. Let's be done with this. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this week, and we will be back next week with uh, the news. So until then. Annihilate this week. Hail Kildred! And good night, Taco Bell Joe, wherever you are. Joe's favorite victory album and Joe's least favorite victory album. Buddy. I already told <laughs> you. I already told you I love the baby Gopal buddy. But my <laughs> least favorite would probably have to be the Stray Light Run. I tell you what, it just got I gotta be alert when I'm at that window. If I'm not alert, you're not going to be getting your tacos. You're going to be getting the order all wrong, and it will become chaos, buddy. It will break down, and cars will just drive over each other trying to get to me to get to, to, to ring my neck, buddy, and I'm not having it. That streetlight... <laughs> not streetlight. <laughs> oh, it's a Freudian slip, buddy. I love the streetlight manifesto. They make me want to kick my knees up. <laughs> oh, right to my chin, buddy. But that stray light run, I tell you, it bores the ass out of me, buddy. It's too, it makes me sleepy. Okay, all right. We gotta keep you. We gotta keep you up, Joe. <laughs> <laughs>
No, no there is, there's not a there's not a enough Baja blast in the world to keep you up for a Straylight Run show. I mean, I start listening to that and I start taking the fire sauce packets and just squeezing them into my eye like I'm on Jackass or something, buddy. And I tell you what, Stevo, I am not. Why would you squeeze them into your ears, buddy? I don't know. That's a good idea. <laughs> I'm going to have to give that a shot the next time somebody puts on that awful, awful record. The people I work with, they're just listening to like 21 Savage and what are you, whatever you're talking about. You 21 Savage, huh? That's what they listen to, buddy. I work with high schoolers. Come on. Oh, all right. Well, that that's sad. I don't like that. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. want to find us on social media you can find us on instagram at i don't want to hear it pod you can find us on twitter at idwhi podcast you can find us on facebook at i don't want to hear a podcast check out our website at i don't want to hear a podcast.com and if you follow the link it came from the beach you can hear all our old bands and the bullshits that we did you can check out our publishing company at wndpress.com and if you would like to submit a work or get published with us, uh, you can email us at info at wndpress.com. If you'd like to reach the show, you can email us at idwhipodcast at gmail.com. Send us your feedback. Send us your information. Let us know what you think. Please consider supporting the show. Check out our patron. You get all kinds of cool bonuses, including discounts on merchandise. You get bonus episodes like our Play It Loud and our Talk Among Us episodes and all kinds of goodies. We make a bunch of playlists for you all, too. Find us. It'll be great. It'll be great.